Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. Hello, Ivy Church. Hello, Ivy Church. Welcome to Ivy Church. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. Happy Christmas. We're getting ready for it wonderful time of the year and uh, have you got a nativity scene anywhere in your house we always end up with at least one of them and if you have have you put your dragon in there yet have you put the dragon in your nativity scene you might be thinking why would we do that you know what do i mean a real dragon Yes, I actually do mean a real dragon, not just some Hollywood dragon, but a real dragon. Um, you might think, well, wouldn't that scare people a little bit? Mm, to some extent, perhaps it, it would be a bit scary, but it could also, as we're going to see, help us to deal with the things that scare us, that go on in the world, a little bit differently, because uh, it helps us to see what's really going on behind the scenes and even behind the scenes at Christmas because we have these Christmas scenes and we uh, put them together based upon all kinds of different ideas of what we think Christmas means and some of them come from the Bible and some of them come from tradition but it was just as I was reading through scripture because I, I encourage everybody to read through the Bible and just to go through it you know continually we go through it every year and we go through the whole Bible, even the bits we don't always understand because it's only as you start to read them you get some more understanding about them. Um, and so we encourage people to do that. And it's recently, as I was reading through the book of Revelation, something struck me that I'd never seen before that actually helped me to think in a different way about Christmas. See, when we look at the, the nativity scene, we, we're going to have, who are you going to have in there? You're going to have Mary, you're going to have Joseph, you're going to have some farmyard animals, I would imagine, sheep, cows. Uh, you're going to have wise persons, three of them, bringing uh, their gold and frankincense and myrrh, but we don't really know that there were three. Um, we don't really know that there were magi. We don't really know much in terms of actually whether it was a, an actual stable. There's, you know, various people have different ideas about where it was that Jesus was born and what it means that he was, he was placed in, in an inn. And, uh, you know, that means a hotel to us, but it didn't necessarily mean that then. So we have all these things that, that we're not sure about in, in a sense of what it actually means. And we need to look to scripture for what those actually mean. Um, but one thing that we don't tend to do is connect Christmas with the book of Revelation, which is the last book of the Bible, which often only features in, uh, in horror films or weird, um, you know, suspense things when somebody, for some reason, will have memorised like Revelation 5.12 or whatever, and they'll use that. And it's patently obvious whoever did it doesn't know anything about the Bible and is just using it as like a clue in their story, rather than actually reading and trying to understand this incredible book which helps us to be able to place ourselves in God's story, God's unfolding, unending story, which is one of a cosmic battle between good and evil, between God and the devil uh, fought here on planet Earth. So this, we're going to read in a moment, is uh, another view of heaven. And it's, uh, it's not even like just where the angels uh, gathered around the nativity. It's beyond that. It's like looking down at what's going on 
in the heavenly perspective. It's like the director's cut, if you like, of what's really going on at that first Christmas. And again, we have that nativity picture that we have and you make the nativity all nice and it's like, you know, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child. Well, is it really calm? Is it really bright? Actually, when we look into scripture elsewhere, we see that it was not all calm. It was not just bright. There was a lot of darkness. There was a lot of, uh, of, of unrest. There's, there's even um, violence that's going to soon take place in the nativity story. And uh, there's this massive battle that is going on, a cosmic battle between uh, good and evil, between God and the devil and all of his demons. And so earth is heaven's battlefield. So if we were going to get three characters that we shine the light on in this nativity uh, story, this alternative director's cut nativity story, there'd be three characters that we're going to look at in turn. And the first one is uh, the woman. So I'm looking at Revelation chapter 12, and it says this, Revelation 12 verses 1 and 2 talks about a woman. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. So who's this woman? Well, I believe it's Mary. It's a picture of Mary. John knew who Mary was. He actually, at one point, ended up bringing her into his own home after uh, Jesus died and rose again. If you remember, uh, John was instructed by Jesus to take Mary into his own home. So he knows who Mary is, and this is written years later. He's, he's got this vision, this picture that's going on of, of the, the heavenly realities of what's happening on the earth and what was happening when Jesus was born as well. But this is also a picture, scholars say, of Israel. Because in Genesis chapter 37, if you remember uh, what was going on there, Joseph had a dream and he said in the dream that uh, the sun and the moon and 11 stars bowed down to him. So he's the 12th star. So the 12 stars are the 12 tribes of Israel. So this is a picture that Mary sums up all the hopes, all the dreams, all the prophecies that Israel was longing for, that the whole cosmos was waiting for, for the Messiah to become and to be born. And so when God appears, when the angel comes and says to her, you're going to give birth to a son and you're to name him Jesus, he is the one who is the cosmic hope of Israel and of the whole world. The hopes and fears of all the years are met in her tonight. It's like something's going on that is uh, huge and it's happening to this woman, this human woman. Galatians chapter 4 verse 4 says, when the time had fully come, and that's pregnancy language, that's like getting ready for time of labour language. When the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under law. So this is saying that, that nothing is just happening by accident. God has got a cosmic plan and a strategy that he is working out. Whatever, if we just live on the daily news cycle, reacting all the time, we're going to be stressed out by that because there's terrible things that happen in the world. There's been awful things that have happened this year 
in the nations, hasn't there? And so many of these things could totally knock us out and we could feel like, well, is God even in control? But this tells us no matter what's going on, yes, God is sovereign. Yes, God has got a plan. Yes, God is, is, is um, working things out according to his purposes. So this pregnancy comes to completion at just the right time according to God. The labour pains have been started and then this baby is about to be born and God had it all just timed perfectly. God got it all ready. So at just the right time, in just the right place to fulfil all of the prophecies in Bethlehem, in the middle of a time of great conflict between uh, all across the Middle East when there were political powers that were fighting, when there was occupying nations and occupying powers and there were, there were rebels who were fighting against against that occupying power and, and all of these different things were going on. This, you know, the Middle East has always been this massive battleground and, and, the, and focused upon Israel in particular. This tiny nation the size of Wales surrounded uh, as it is now by all these enemies that want to destroy that nation completely and, and wipe them out. Many of those people in, their, in, in those, some of those nations want that for Israel um, because there's always been this massive cosmic battle going on and 2,000 years ago it was just the same there was the political leaders who were grabbing power there was people like King Herod who were threatened by the idea that another king would be born in Israel other than himself and behind him we see another character and that's number two the dragon um, the dragon uses human agents like King Herod to come and do his work. So verses 3 and 4 of Revelation 12, it goes on, it says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. What an awful picture. Of, of death coming to destroy the baby, death coming to destroy the child. Who would be behind that? Something so evil, so destructive. It's the devil. John presents him as a dragon 13 times in the book of Revelation. And he is huge, he's an enormous dragon. He's powerful, he's bloodthirsty, that's depicted by him being a red dragon. He's destructive and he hates the woman and even more he hates the child. He wants to kill the child. That's all he ever wants to do. John 10 verse 10, Jesus when he'd grown up came and he said, the thief only ever comes to steal, kill and destroy but I've come so that you might have life in all its fullness. You see the contrast, you see the picture. It says that Jesus had come to destroy all the works of the evil one, but the evil one wants to destroy Jesus. So this vision here connects again back to the Old Testament with Daniel chapter 7, where you have depicted beasts like this with horns and crowns, and, uh, and, and they, they, this is like uh, emergent powers in the nations that, and, uh, you know, that want to cause people to bow down and worship the powers that be in this earth rather than the power above which is the Lord God Almighty, the Lord God of hosts. And these end time beasts who will 
call people or force people to bow down and follow them and worship them until, in Daniel 7, God himself appears, the Ancient of Days, and he commands that all nations then bow down, all tribes and tongues bow down and worship him. So again, you see there's a battle here. The battle is for worship. And John paints, uh, he points back to a time before time when he refers to the dragon's tail sweeping down a third of the stars coming down to earth. What's that? It's a picture of when Lucifer himself instigated a rebellion against God because of his own pride. And when he did that, it says that he took with him a third of the angels that became demonic powers. That even now, a third of them have come down, they've fallen down with him to have power on the earth. They haven't got all power, but they have power on the the earth. He's described as, as the prince of the power of the air. And so he takes a third of the, de- of the demons to be with him, to become powers and principalities and rulers operating here now in structures and yes, in organisations and yes, in people and in nations at work even now in the world. Again, what do they want to do? They always want to steal, kill and destroy. That's the agenda. And when you see this, when you read Revelation, for me, it explains so much of what we now see going on all around us. We realise when we see about terrible things that happen and, and you know, death and destruction and murder and hatred, we see that there's, the Bible has an explanation for that. And it's that we are living on a planet that is desperately in need of salvation. We have a planet that is demon infested, that is demon invaded. But then... God himself invaded to come and be the rescuer and the saviour that we needed. The dragon wanted to kill Jesus. So what do we see very soon afterwards? Herod commands a genocide to take place there in Bethlehem and to kill all of the baby boys because the dragon loves death. That's all the dragon loves. He loves death and he loves destruction and he loves hate and he loves to murder And so he tries to kill Jesus, but we know that's not what happened, is it? Because God protected Jesus. Character number three is the baby. Genesis chapter three and verse 15, if you remember, uh, just after Adam and Eve have fallen into sin and they're all blaming each other and they blame the snake and, uh, and God tells them what's now going to happen in the future because of their rebellion and because of the, the, the earth is going to be a hard place and a tough place because now it's under a curse and it, isn't, it, it just can't be blessed the way he wanted it to be blessed and they can't be blessed either and he says that the man's work is going to be hard it says that the woman is going to have trouble in labour and giving birth birth and those things are going to you know death has now entered into the world he describes these things and says this is the world that now you're in and then he curses the serpent he curses the one who is still who is the dragon the devil and curses him on the earth to remain on the earth but and then he says he says something's going to happen and he points towards the child that will come and uh, and, he, and he says the to Eve, talking about her seed, which is Jesus, he said, the, the, the serpent, he said, you will bruise his heel, but he will crush your head. So he's giving the devil notice of what's going to happen. Yes, it will look like you've won against Jesus, but when you think you've won, that's when you will find out it's his victory. 
He's going to crush the serpent's head. Now we know why the devil wants to kill the baby. Because Jesus' death, would, would, the, the devil would think, would be his victory. But no. Jesus' birth actually means the end of the dragon has begun. Because Jesus is the dragon slayer. Jesus is the demon defeater. The devil kept on trying, but he couldn't kill Jesus in Bethlehem. He would try throughout his life uh, in various different ways by stirring up his enemies against him. But finally, at Easter, when it looked like the devil had won, was when Jesus was nailed to a cross. But he thought that he'd won, but actually he'd not even won that battle because when Jesus rose again, the male child ransacked hell. He walked out of the tomb. He led captivity captive in his train. And he's the one John sees here as holding the keys of death and hell's domain. Then the male child, Jesus, was taken up to heaven, as it says here. What does that mean? It means that his work is done. It means that his victory is complete. It means... What he said on the cross is true. It is finished. Maybe, could it be that this year, seeing the dragon in the nativity can help to explain some of the hard things that have happened in your life or some things that are happening even now in the world in a different light to how we get it presented because we're just looking at it on a vertical level and we're not seeing what's happening horizontally. Revelation opens our eyes to what's there all along. That's what revelation means. Revelation is like you pull back the curtain on something and you see what was there all along. Revelation will open our eyes to the good news to see the enemy is not flesh and blood, to see the victory that comes when we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth, as it is in heaven, let that happen. And we have power to be able to pray those prayers because Jesus said so. Christmas is good news for everybody except the devil. Christmas is good news for a world gone mad. Maybe wrapped up well as we finish in the words of that carol. And maybe you've even wondered why on earth we sing it. But it chimes around in my head as I was preparing this talk. God rest ye merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. For Jesus Christ our Saviour was born on Christmas Day to save us all from Satan's power when we had gone astray. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Comfort and joy. O oh, tidings of comfort and joy. Mm -hmm.